Welcome to Basketball Buzz, the show that combines three great things, Kentucky basketball, college basketball, and bourbon. I'm one of your three hosts, Arizona Terry. With me are Shay and Michael. Tonight, this episode is titled Speculation and Anticipation. We're going to talk a lot about Kentucky hoops. And drum roll, please, bourbon, because that's what we do on Basketball Buzz. Guys, typically I ask you what we're drinking tonight, but I think I'm going to go first because I'm really anxious to have some bourbon. And tonight we're going to kind of introduce a new thing. We're going to start grading bourbons on a barrel scale, a five barrel scale. And you can do half a barrel if you need to. So my first bourbon on this scale is going to be Wild Turkey Rare Breed. So I just picked it up today. It's 116.8 proof. Wow. Oh, it, it packs a punch. I've never had it. I've heard good things about it. Definitely from our uh, our bourbon counterparts out there that enjoy it. Um, I don't. I can't find it very often in Flagstaff where I live. I do see it in Phoenix, and I happen to be in Tucson today. So went out to uh, the Rum Runner here in town, local uh, liquor store, real nice place. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it. So this was one of the original gangster barrel-proof bourbons, as it was re uh, referenced to on bourbonculture.com. And, you know, there was, these things weren't really popular at one point. And there was actually, in the article, there was a quote. I want to read the quote. So uh, Jackie Zykin of Old Forester said it best when she explained that all bourbon brands shunned the idea of bottling their bourbons at barrel strength because it was deemed irresponsible on the part <laughs> of the distillery and not what a gentleman would prefer to drink in good company. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Those are lies, obviously lies. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we like, we drink, we drink high proof stuff and I think it's perfectly fine. And you know what, this current version, the bottle, when you see it on the shelf, kind of generic looking, you know, it's kind of a generic looking bottle and label, nothing too fancy. And this iteration has been around since 2017. So this is kind of a, I think they're kind of staying with this, um, this look. And the bourbon itself has been around since 1991. So it's been around for a while. It's just kind of changed it up a little bit over the years with the, the labeling and such. Now, when you, when you, uh, you know, smell the bourbon, it, it definitely has a taste of n notes of like nuts, cinnamon, toffee. I've had a little bit in between uh, talking. Vanilla cream, for sure. Um, it's nice. It's it's not, it's a high proof, but it's not harsh. Like it's, it's definitely enjoyable. And I can, I can drink this meat for sure. Now I'm going to have to have more time with this bourbon and, and try it out over multiple days. I'm not going to have the whole bottle tonight, like normal. Terry, it sounds like you're dating the bourbon. You, you, you need <laughs> to have a few more dates with it. I do. I come I, a slow mover, you know, <laughs> but I would say, the the this bourbon in the fifty to fifty five dollar range not too bad, and I would think on the five uh, bourbon barrel scale I would go right now just at a three point five, but that could go up over time. So there you go, guys. Fair enough. I, I like it. Uh, enjoying the new bourbon uh, barrel scale. So uh, tonight I'm having something a little different for me as well. I'm doing Stranahan's Blue Peak Single Malt Whiskey. Wow, that's a mouthful. 
So uh, the bottle itself is kind of a cool bottle, kind of undescript, um, but at the same time, it's got um, the blue label around it that kind of makes it look like uh, Johnny Walker Blue, but this is no Johnny Walker Blue. Um, Stranahan's, if you're not familiar with it, and many may not be because this is a local whiskey for me here in Denver, Colorado. So I'm drinking a Denver, Colorado whiskey to celebrate the 2022 Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, it, it, it just seemed like the right thing to do. So, uh, guys, this is uh, actually so far not bad. I've, I've taken a few sips. It's uh, 86 proof, so it's really uh, meant for sipping. Um, I threw in um, a, a single ice cube like I normally do. Um, mash bill, we don't even need to talk about. It's 100% barley. Uh, that, that's just what it is. It's bottled uh, for, usually it's aged for about four years. Um, and it takes advantage of kind of a, a little different process um, that uses the water associated with the mountains up here in Denver and the foothills. And I think that's some of the best water that I've ever had. I know water is really important to the process with a lot of things, including bourbon, including whiskey. The water here is as pure as it gets. Um, so I, I think so far I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I got to say the, the notes that I'm getting initially, probably a little bit more chocolate than I thought was possible. Um, there's some obviously uh, grain notes and maybe even some, uh, some fruity. I'm thinking maybe grape. Um, as far as on the palate, um, there's still a very sweet uh, vanilla that is more overpowering, and that's just fine for me. I enjoy that. Um, can taste a little raisin, maybe a little oak. Um, it's it's a bit dry, um, but again, at 86 proof, it's very easy to sip. Um, overall. I think I'm going to agree with you, Terry. I'm going to call Stranahan's Blue Peak a three and a half barrel on that five barrel scale. So uh, this, this bourbon you're talking about, whiskey, is it made from glacier water? Well, I, I guess it depends on how you define the word glacier. Uh, but essentially, uh, yeah, you, you've got um, whatever... Uh, snowfall and ice we have here in the, the beautiful Rocky Mountains, when there's melt off from that, that's what's being captured here. And that's something that you're not going to get most places. Certainly, it differs from uh, the water associated with bourbons in Kentucky. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it necessarily uh, tastes better, uh, but it definitely imparts a different flavor. Uh, again, typically, I just do Kentucky bourbons. Um, but Stranahan's does make for a good visit. If you're here in Denver, uh, they can give you a great tour of the distillery. Uh, they do have some free samples. You can buy some additional things. It's uh, basically right off of I-25, uh, closer to downtown. It's a great place to visit. We've actually had a couple of client events for my firm there, uh, which is always a lot of fun. Um, I like Stranahan's in general. It has a great reputation around here. I haven't always been a fan of each of the whiskeys that they've produced, but out of all the whiskeys from Stranahan's that I've tasted, I would say Blue Peak is probably my favorite at the moment. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So I guess uh, we saved the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not in this situation, though. We'll, so I'll extrapolate a bit more. So I'm actually having the Knob Creek uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon number nine. So believe it or not, I was telling the guys earlier, this is the first time I've actually purchased this bourbon, uh, despite how popular it is. Um, I probably drank it before, probably at a bar in a mixed mixed cocktail. But um, yeah, first time I'm buying this, it is, um, I think it was about $40 for a 1.75 liter at Costco, which is probably why I picked it up. it is from uh beam suntory so it's uh, a bourbon that's created by jim beam which was probably the favorite bourbon of 19 year old akshay (laughs) 19 year old shay's favorite bourbon (laughs) did that was that your introduction to bourbon shay yeah Yeah, absolutely uh my my roommate and i would always have a a glass every night before going to bed so um uh yeah that was (laughs) that was the favorite bourbon of, of of 19 year old me uh or we'll say 21-year-old me, 21-year-old me for young kids out there. <laughs> um, it's 100 proof. It's aged nine years. Um, the mash bill, uh, three quarters corn, the rest comprising of rye, malted barley. Um, it's got a very dark, deep bronze color, which is kind of different from a lot of other bourbons that you see. And, and again, it's part of uh, Jim Beam's small batch bourbon. So the others, obviously, Basil Hayden's, Baker's, and Booker's. Um, so I'd say that on the nose, the bourbon is a lot more pleasant than the taste, and I'll explain more. Um, they're those really classic bourbon flavors like nuttiness, vanilla, oak, caramel. Um, there's, I think one of the things that I've noticed in this bourbon is the overwhelming taste of char, which is something I usually like. And um, I think once it gets on the palate, um, that oak and vanilla is great. But again, it being 100 proof, it's a little bit spirit forward for sipping, in my opinion. Um, I think that that real sharp taste at the end almost not ruins, but it kind of leaves a, a less desirable taste on my palate. Not saying that it's bad by any means, but um, in my opinion, this is probably not the first bourbon I'd reach for just because how big of a fan I am of Bullet, it being kind of on the same playing field as a Bullet. Um, it's definitely not a bad bourbon. Um, but I will say it's definitely not my favorite just because of that, that spirit forward mouthfeel at the end um, that kind of gives it that kick. Now, if you're looking to have something that's stronger, if you really want something with a, with a punch behind it, I think this might be a, a really good go-to. Um, on our barrel scale, I'm going to give it a three barrels out of five um, just because it's, it's a great middle of the road bourbon. Um, there's other bourbons that are better that I'll probably reach for. But if I see it, I don't have very many other options. This might be something that I pick up. You know, I've had it a few times. Usually it's been like on sale or it's one of those holiday gift sets where you get the Knob Creek glasses with it. Yeah. So I've bought that before and had those glasses and I've actually gifted that as well. So, yeah, I kind of I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's not it's not something I reach for very often. No, yeah, it it has a lot of that. Like, interestingly enough, I don't want this to you know cloud my judgment, but it it does kind of taste like someone took Suntory and Jim Beam and combined it. So it has some of those Japanese whiskey flavors. Uh, and then some of that, I would say almost like an acidity that the Jim Beam has, uh, that just that standard Jim Beam bottle we all drank when we were young, um, you know, combine those together and just kind of kick it up with just one more notch. Um, you know, you, you feel that little bit of rye whiskey coming through in it. And so I'm not a big rye whiskey drinker. So probably why it's not one of my favorite. Uh, whiskeys fair enough hey a three three bourbon rating is not bad that's like a it's a b minus right 
It's a B minus because we it's give a, we we give no D's or F's for yeah. bourbons. It's A B's and C's. <laughs> it's a, it might be like the Toyota Camry of bourbon. <laughs> God, the Camrys, man. I saw like ten. I saw ten today. I'm in a college yeah. town, so they're like yeah. everywhere. I, I hey, don't go to college. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of, of ABC. Uh, that that reminds me of the uh, Rodney Dangerfield line uh, from uh, uh, one of his movies. ABC. Hey, I'm in the top three. I think that that was from Back to School. As long as this bourbon is, is in the top three ABC, we're gonna keep sipping it, right? <laughs> I'll drink all the bourbon. I might bitch about it, but after two or three, like we always say, it all goes down. <laughs> well, uh, you know that a the ABC is a, a great segue to recruiting. If you're thinking about Glen Gary, Glen Ross, what Calipari needs yeah. to do, mm. ABC, always be closing. Always so. be closing. <laughs> let's, let's talk about some hoops. Do you guys want to go into recruiting first? Do you want to start with the NBA draft? What do you want to do? Uh, you know, let's start with the draft. I think that's a, that, like we had it on the schedule. So we'll talk about recruiting and, and who Calipari actually closed on. Uh, but let's start with the with the draft and 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 the guys that we saw go. I wasn't surprised by Sharp going in the top seven. I think we've all talked about this for like months on end that he looks like a top six seven guy. Obviously, um, he hasn't played a lot recently, but he I mean he looks the part. And I, I would gamble. I mean Portland taking Sharp. I think that's totally fine. Now, Ty Ty dropping quite a bit because um, I, I thought he would be around that 20 or 22nd pick. He dropped down to 30, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, he did. And, and we'll talk about Ty Ty first because he's the guy that actually played <laughs> at UK. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the, sh the drop was surprising. I also think he got into a spot that is great for him. Uh, and I'll explain a little bit why. Um, obviously, the Rockets are not a franchise that has a lot of stability, but um, Ty Ty's had, had some concerns. Okay, so obviously off the bat, uh, he played a lot of the season injured. Credit to him for toughing it out, playing clearly hobbled. He was not the same the second half of the season, but you saw some of the, the, the real great abilities that he had, especially as a playmaker, as a mid-range shooter, um, uh, just a steady player, uh, all-around player in the first half of the season. Now, something that a lot of people don't realize about Ty Ty is he's already 20 years old. So he's a little bit older than his draft class. Um, and so that kind of hurt him just because teams felt like he had limited upside. Um, he's also not an overly athletic or explosive athlete. He's definitely an adequate athlete, I think, with the way the NBA is moving. Um, his lack of athleticism, so to speak, is not a, to a detriment. You see so many players that are uh, successful NBA players, impact players like um, – like Jalen Brunson, who isn't like an, a, a jaw-dropping athlete. He's just a really good player. Uh, Ty Ty was an above-average defender throughout the year. That's definitely a great note. Uh, obviously, he came in to the draft, I, I don't want to say out of shape, but really high body fat percentage. Um, I mean, I'd kill to have that body fat percentage. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I would kill to have it as well. But I, I, agree, I agree with you. He's a little pudgy. I'm a little pudgy. But, you know, yeah, he was a little bit not, you know, wasn't quite as fit looking as some of our guys have but, looked but if you saw him in high school it was a huge improvement so he had been moving in the right direction for a long time and i think that's something that you got to take note of um i think a lot of the mock drafts had sharp uh, sorry had tie ties so high but you know mock drafts are just that they're 
people that are projecting um, as the draft went on or the, we got closer to the draft, you saw him fall and you fall, went fall. He's not a guy that's probably going to jump out at you in workouts or on a one-on-one situation or against other players that are more mature or, you know, more talented or more athletic, but he's a guy that's going to probably play a lot better when you get him on the court. So um, um, the Rockets, uh, you know, it's a situation there where he's very different from the rest of the guards that they have um, with, uh, with, well, so they picked up Jabari, they have Jalen Green, they have Josh Christopher, and they have Kevin Porter Jr. Just three guards that are, I don't want to say questionable character, but, you know, at least for a couple of them, you can say they're questionable character guys like Jalen, uh, sorry, uh, Josh Christopher, Kevin Porter Jr. And guys are uber athletic, but not necessarily great playmakers. And Ty Ty is a guy that's going to step in and you saw what he can do when he had those 19 assists. He's going to be that high character locker room guy, steadying presence. He's a perfect six-man or backup point guard in the league, in my opinion. You know, I think with our success at, with guards at Kentucky going to the league, I'm surprised that doesn't factor in more often than some of the decisions in drafting our guys because our guys tend to do pretty well. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Michael, and, anything and you I, want to add? Wonder, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I wonder if, uh, Terry, the point you just made, is why, in part, Ty Ty was up so high in a lot of these uh, 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 mock drafts. Uh, because, I, you know, he's, I feel like his upside is sufficient and adequate to be a top 15 draft. He wasn't. Maybe that has more to do with the fact that uh, some teams didn't feel like he was a good fit for them. Um, I'd like to think that or hope that. And obviously, it, the fact that he may be a little bit pudgy, I, I've got to think some of that was just due to maybe lack of appropriate conditioning due to injuries. Like I, I want to give the kid the benefit of the doubt here because I think he is a great kid. And with Houston, um, I think he does potentially fit in pretty well. Houston had an interesting draft because they took Ty Ty from Kentucky. Uh, they took uh, Terry Eason from LSU and they got Jamari Smith from Auburn. So their three draft picks uh, were all SEC guys. Um, and I think that's that, that's kind of neat as well. Um, but I, I was disappointed that Ty Ty didn't go higher. But I, I think ultimately, if we're – don't get caught up in the moment of somebody has to be a lottery pick where they've got to be a top five or whatever. Like ultimately, you want guys that find themselves with the right team, the right position so that they can give their talents in the right situation that will ultimately get them that next contract, that larger contract, keep them in the league, get them signed to the next contract. And I feel like that Houston is a good landing spot, at least initially for Ty Ty. So we'll see. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that the draft isn't a ranking of who's the best and who's the worst. Right. You know, if you get drafted, you're a good, great basketball player. Even if you don't get drafted, if you pick up a 10-day contract, you're a great basketball player. Ty Ty just has limited upside. And that's not a bad thing. You, it's more like a teams know what they're going to get from Ty Ty. Um, it's similar with Oscar. Teams know what they're going to get with Oscar. But so when you know what you're going to get, a lot of times in the NBA draft, you drop or you get undrafted because they know that if we miss on you, they'll get a guy that's similar. Um, and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. But a guy like Jabari, who could be a bust, he could be the best player in NBA history. You miss that chance 
if you don't take him early. So, you know, Ty Ty going late, that just shows that, you know, he had limited upside because of age. He made the right decision in going. Him, if he stayed, he played really well. Next year, people would be saying, draft analysts would be saying, okay, well, you know, he's 21 years old. He's 22 years old. He doesn't have that much upside. So um, I think he made the right decision to go. It's unfortunate that he got injured, but he probably got drafted right where he needed to get drafted. Um, you know, a team like like Houston, I would have loved to see him go to the Spurs. Um, you know, so a team like that, um, that really he could fit in, either a team that where he could get a lot of minutes or a team where he had a great culture. Uh, so You're right. If he would yeah. have gone to the Spurs, I would have been really happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. But you know he's uh he's such a good kid. He's uh yeah. he's a great teammate. Yeah. Uh I think Houston did really well. I mean, I like these three core SEC guys they brought in. So uh Jabari, I'm I'm not super high on, but he could prove everybody wrong. I'm just not too impressed with his handles and we'll see what that comes well, out. Yeah, he, he has done. Unfortunately, he has done. But that mid-range game is so money that it's you know, so money. He's such a great Six ten, he can shoot that mid range all day, yeah. so you can make some money doing that. So, uh, how about Grady and Mitts? So, I don't really know much about where they're landing, what they're landing into, what kind of contracts. If you guys can kind of talk about that, that'd be helpful. Yeah, I, I don't know too much. I think Kellen Grady signed like a like a non guaranteed uh, contract with the Nugget. Was it the Nuggets? Yep, he, he he's out with? here with me now. Is he your neighbor? <laughs> uh he, he he could be I dude mean, that'd be so dope you bring him over he can play on your pool table i let, let's let's put a pin in this just just for a second speaking of uh is it your neighbor did you guys see the story today and again i'm going to go back to uh the, the stanley cup champion uh colorado avalanche so guy um has a, a knock on his door uh i think that it was this morning Goes to answer his door, and there's somebody on the other side with a a, a big package, and uh, he's not expecting this package. So uh, the guy says, "Yeah, c- come on in. What, what what do you got?" And the package was Lord Stanley's cup. And what? It, it came, yeah. So it was supposed to be delivered to uh, Landeskog, Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, apparently, it, it went down the street. It went to the wrong house. So just some Joe Schmo, who was neighbors with Gabe Landeskog, um, had the Stanley Cup show up at his house, unexpected, got to take some pictures with it, got to hold it, got to do some crazy things. Like, that's just weird. So you never know who your neighbors are going to be, and you never know when uh, a trophy may just show up on your doorstep. That is ridiculous. Somebody lost a job today. (laughs) Uh, Probably. Yeah, probably. That that is not a a, a typical oversight. I mean, that is awful. But, yeah, like think about where that cup could have gone. Because it had gone like, to your house, it'd be in your house still down the basement. Well, if it was in my house right now, I would be sipping bourbon out of it while we do this <laughs> podcast. But that's that, that's a a cup story for a different day. Wow, that is outstanding. Uh, I don't even know what the heck I was saying. Where, where were we? <laughs> Grady. No. Grady's Grady's oh, in Denver. Yeah. Grady's in Denver. Um, shooter's going to shoot. Like if you can shoot, you can, you can find a roster spot in the NBA. I don't know what he's going to be able to do outside of that. Um, I, and I don't know the details of the contract. I I think Shay, you're right. It's it's not a guaranteed contract. Um, 
the, the Nuggets did make a couple of other deals today, um, sending some some players that I liked uh, over to, to the Wizards. Nevertheless, um, I, I think Kellen Grady can be a good enough shooter to play in the league for several years. I, I hope that that's at least in part out here with the, the Nuggets because I would love to see the kid. Uh, but I think when, when you can shoot that way and when he's healthy, and I think we all know one of the reasons why he struggled late in the season is because he did have health issues. But when he's healthy, um, he can be a contributor that can come off the bench, hit a couple three-pointers a game. He can play, I don't know, I'd say maybe uh, 12, 14 minutes. I don't know that he's ever really going to do much more than that. But if you can shoot, you can pull down an NBA paycheck, and I think he can do that. Yeah, the, the NBA is, believe it or not, not full of the most talented guys in the world. Like the most athletically talented guys or the absolute – no, there's a large portion of those guys. And then there is a like a large – believe it or not, if you go down to your local YMCA or some of your local pickup games, <laughs> there are guys that are probably talented enough to be there. But there's a lot of other factors or reasons why they are maybe not. Uh, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that do one job really well. Yep. Uh, people don't realize that. Chuck Hayes was like an example of that. You do one thing really well, and it's like being at work. If you're like the fantasy football guy or the donut guy or the, the bagel guy, you can't get fired because you do that one thing really well, and everybody needs that one thing. And yep. so Grady does one thing really well, which is which is hit shots. Um, I, again, because of his age, I don't know what upside he has. He did sign that. Uh, exhibit 10 contract, which means he's going to join their summer league team. Now, there's tons of guys in the NBA, I think, I feel like more than before, that are dudes I never expected to be high NBA contributors that do, so I'm never going to say no. Um, but, again, believe it or not, the NBA is not the be-all and end-all of professional basketball. It is absolutely not, and I think more than ever, that's the case. You can make a ton of money in Europe. You can make a ton of money in China, in Japan. All the leagues around the world and Sharp, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Grady and Davion are two guys that are absolutely going to shine in those situations because those teams need shot makers. Um, I don't know if you saw Mintz signed a Exhibit 10 contract with the Wizards, um, but there was some video of him at the uh, Miami Pro-Am, which is just where a lot of college guys and former pro guys get together, uh, play um, kind of like a semi-formal league games and he was torching people like he was just torching guys for, putting for up, real yeah he's putting up 20 25 points a game and that that just shows you that the the difference between like you know a mid-major college player or a uh you know high school player or you know a, a overseas pro player and someone that's played high major sec basketball he was having a field day he was hitting five six three-pointers a game easy so um, you know, those guys, I think Grady and Mintz, I think Grady, maybe because of his size, has more of a chance to be maybe, you know, kind of like kind of like um, Darius Miller was or um, how Michael Mulder was, where they were in and out of the league, where they were signed to contracts at their peak. Um, they got a couple of minutes here and there. They helped on on some teams and then they went off and got their money elsewhere. Um, and keep in mind, you know, Darius Miller was one of the best players in Germany for a long, he won many championships there. And then Grady was one of the best mid-major players of all time. And so I see him for seeing him going to Germany and just having like an amazing career. Um, so he's going to be fine. 
Um, you know, we'll always root for him. You love granddad and he's going to be fine. You, you know what? I, I appreciate those comments, Shay, because uh, we talk often about the NBA because um, that's, that's the game. It's not yeah. the only game in town. Uh, we've yeah. had, we've had a string of former cats that have done so well overseas and have won championships. Um, Randolph Morris dominated China like nobody for decade, else. For a decade, yeah. Yeah, like a decade, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was the guy. He, he was the Michael Jordan of China. Um, <laughs> Josh Harrelson is like the Michael Jordan of Japan. Yeah. With jorts on, yeah. Yeah. With, with jorts. Um, I mean, Kyle Wilcher uh, is still out there uh, doing Spain, his thing right? as well. I think yeah. he's in Spain or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think at one point or another, um, we had cats playing professionally. The last time that I counted uh, last year in at least nine different countries, nine different leagues. That's like unbelievable. That, yeah, it, it really is. And those guys, to their credit, um, they work on their craft and they get to travel the world and they make a ton of money. That's, that's living a good life. Hey, tax-free, if I might add. And, and listen, if you can play that's professional... between you and the IRS, Shay. <laughs> yeah. If you play professional basketball living in Spain, yeah. that's a good life. Yeah, it is. They get their expenses paid for, their housing paid for. It's not bad. And the, and... the food. Oh, so good. I love Spain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love Spain, too. <laughs> we, we should go to Spain and do yeah. our basketball buzz corporation yeah. there um no so yeah absolutely I, I absolutely see like them you know maybe grady more than just because of his experience he's grown physically ready um definitely could contribute to the nba he does one thing really well um and that kind of translates that one thing translates really well so um, i'm looking forward i'm keeping an eye on him just because i think scouts have a lot of tape on him they know who he is if uh, uh, I, I can see some team like a Golden State or, you know, a team that's really established, uh, doesn't really need draft picks, but really wants somebody to come in, do one role for a season, um, provide depth, picking him up just for that, you know, because we need some guy to just be the third, third string, a shooting guard, just come in, hit shots. That's it. Listen, if you're good at something. You're always going to have a job, right? He, he, he reminds me, believe it or not, now that I'm thinking about it, like I think he projects to someone at the NBA level, not the college level, but the NBA level, like a, like a KCP, who's a player yeah. that I hate, who I, who, who I absolutely despise being like watching a lot of Laker games. But they didn't ask him to dribble. They asked him, when we pass you the ball, you shoot the ball. That's it. And Grady, he can dribble. He can run the offense, but I can see him – in the league being a guy like like uh kcp where you know they just ask him to to grab just you get the shot get an open shot take it that's it yeah awesome all right we talked about the draft well we haven't talked about sharp yet <laughs> do we need to talk about sharp <laughs> well I, I, I think so i think um uh, i think uh sharp not unexpectedly landed in a spot for a team that was willing to take a risk um, but as you guys know, I've been doing some digging. I've been trying Ooh. to figure out, uh, you know, what was the story behind the scenes, what was going on. And I haven't really got any definite answers, but now, you know, after the, the whole saga is over, we can kind of see that he was planning on going the whole time. And a lot of this was misdirection for what reason I don't know. Uh, and by the way, Dwayne Washington has been blowing up Kentucky fans on Twitter under a different, uh, 
my Twitter handle. So you guys go out there, say what you will. I won't say the Twitter handle, but you, it's easy to find. Um, basically, uh, found out that if we remember the story going around that why was uh, Jonathan Gavoni for NBA Draft Express just really pumping d- sharp to the draft, really Majorly. talking about, really talking about, um, you know, uh, why he should be the the, the number one pick, uh, how great he looked when he was playing a guy that was a junior college player, <laughs> and why he looked so gra- great, why why was why these uh, why there was so much hyperbole. Well, come to find out that um, his partner from Draft Express, Mike Schmitz, Schmitz, who's NBA Draft correspondent, works for the Blazers. Ah. So me thinks that uh, the Blazers were maybe paying, maybe giving Jonathan Gavoni some perks to try to convince teams to or convince Sharp to stay in the draft. So we kind of got some resolution there. And I think the Blazers, it's pretty obvious that they were targeting Sharp from way back when. Uh, because he's a guy that they don't need instant results. Um, you know, they can wait a couple of years to see him develop. They're probably going to split him between the the G League and some NBA reps to get him some some reps at shooting guard, and then also get him um, um, getting some time in an NBA system. Uh, interestingly, first draft that Cal either was he there, was he not there? I think he was there, but he just wasn't very prominent. He was in New York, that I know, but his daughter said he was there. But, I mean, other people I mean, say he wasn't there, and he didn't show up with Sharp. They did sh- announce Sharp from University of Kentucky. I'm wondering if he just didn't want to cause a controversy, so he didn't stand with Sharp, he didn't stand with Ty Ty. I don't know if that's the case, but that's my theory. Hmm. It's the first draft that we haven't actually seen him, so whether he was there or whether he wasn't there is kind of irrelevant. Because when you don't see him, he may as well not be there for, for whatever reason or, or reasons. And, you know, if he didn't want to overshadow what was going on, if he didn't want to be a part of the controversy, that's fine. Um, I'm looking at the Trailblazers depth chart right now, and Sharp is listed as uh, second string behind uh, Anthony Simons. Um, I, I, you know, who knows how much playing time he's going to get. Uh, but right now, if you look at the uh, fourth string shooting guard, that's listed as Eric Bledsoe. And if you look at the fifth string, and I didn't actually realize that there was, fifth string point, uh, shooting guard, Ben McLemore. Um, wow. He, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, Kansas. And uh, Ben actually played really well for the Sacramento Kings for a number of seasons. So to see him uh, listed as uh, the, the well, fifth. Uh, that's the thing. Like he's the in that same archetype as a Benedict Matherin, as a Oshai Abaji, and and Sharp has more upside than all of those guys. But just to show you, For sure. like uh, Ben McLemore had some amazing upside coming into the league. People were really excited about him, and uh, of course, I think the Kings drafted him. I don't know if the Kings ruined him, but like it, they it ruined him. Way. The Kings ruined everybody. Yeah, they ruined everybody. They ruined everybody. Either way, but. Um, but, I, you know, we complain about – we can't – I'm not going to complain about Cal not being at the draft because after Kentucky fans wanting him to focus on Kentucky and not just make this uh, a draft thing, I think he maybe made the right decision. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal. I think we're, we're probably just making a big deal on the podcast. But it's not a big deal. If he didn't want to go there, I think it's a great move. Um, you know, there were so many coaches at the draft this time, though, that took Cal's cue. I think I saw so many coaches. I saw Scott Drew there, I think. Who else was there? Was Bruce Pearl there? I don't know. 
Um, Jai Lucas, interestingly, was at the table with Tai Tai. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, I didn't see that. Missed that. Yeah, Jai, Jai Lucas was sitting with Tai Tai and uh, gave Tai Tai daps when Tai Tai went up. Um, that, that's nice, classy. Yeah. yeah. Now get go back to Durham. Leave us alone. So yeah, I mean, there's that. I, I saw a ton of a ton of coaches there. Yeah, they're in the stands with their guys, um, which I never usually used to see coaches before. And I think that was by design. I think they just really didn't want to take any. Um, they didn't. They didn't want to. They wanted to, in the words of uh, Shade and Sharp, give them their shine. <laughs> get let their players have the shine. <laughs> right. So yeah, that was cool. Um, but I fully expect to see uh, John Calvary there next next year. I think he'll be there, and it'll be a little more prominent, and you know, it, it'll be back to normal. You guys, imagine I just a fleeting thought I had. Imagine. I don't think Oscar is going to get a green room, green room invite, but imagine Oscar in the in the stands getting drafted, walking down to the to the podium. That's going to mm. be an amazing moment. And the whole world needs to cheer, man. Yeah, he's, he's just the greatest guy. It was, uh, and then the last thing I'll say: How about um, how about Jaden Ivey in the draft night? I think it was yeah. everybody's everybody's favorite draft pick. It was. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, that emotion, dude, was yeah, it that was, was awesome. Amazing. It was. And that's the thing about the draft I love. I watch it every year. It's just like, it's like literally dreams do come true, right? Yeah. Worked your, worked your ass off your whole life. And here it is, man. It's happening. So props to all those guys and good luck out there in the NBA. And, and w- one more NBA note. Um, want to make sure that everybody knows uh, my, my guy, Roddy from CSU. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. Yeah. So David Roddy uh, was selected by philly with the 23 overall pick was traded to memphis i think he's going to fit in really well when i think of memphis um i always think of like bruisers i think of uh you know the big uglies that just want to go down and and hit you hard and i i feel like that he's going to fit in really well in that kind of atmosphere and i'm excited uh because memphis will be coming out here uh to play denver a couple times so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing Dave Roddy in person. Yeah, you're not yeah. the only one that was really happy about that. A lot of analysts who follow the NBA yeah. were super big on Roddy. Speaking of that, actually, I want to give a little plug to the uh, guys over at the Ringer who have the Upside High podcast. That's uh, J. Kyle Mann and uh, Jonathan Jarks. They were J. Kyle Mann's a big uh, he's he's a big Kentucky fan. Uh, I think he lives in Louisville. He was huge on David Roddy. He was really excited to see. David Roddy going the first round, which I I love. As you know, I love David Roddy. I was hoping he entered the transfer portal. I was like, Cal, I got to scoop him up. The, the guy, <laughs> the guy has a bourbon bod and he can play basketball. Oh, dude, he's thick. He's thick and he can yeah. ball. I hate it. I hate it when everybody was talking about. Oh, he's a big man. He's not a big. I know, but he's, he's a, a guy, he's a he, thick, he's a thick man that can yeah. play ball, man. Exactly. He's a guard with guard skills. He's a shot maker. He just happens to be a normal size. That's I, it. <laughs> a skinny, a skinny, a skinny ass guard does not want to guard Rod because he's just yeah, gonna no. just tear their ass up. He will you know take that he, butt and he will box you out. Oh, dude, you can't get near the ball. You know when you go play pickup and there's that bigger dude and you're like, yes. okay, okay, he's probably slow, and <laughs> he's like the most skilled guy out there. And he's just he's just hitting shots from all uh, over the place, and you're like, oh my god, what do I do? That's David Rod. I love David Roddy. I'm excited. I, I'm rooting for him. He's just the cool. He seems like the coolest guy. Good same. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to transition to recruiting? 
Let's go. Absolutely. All right. So Robert Dillingham picks Kentucky. What does this mean? Like, are we back? Are we like bringing in the big guys again? Is it a top three guy, a top five guy, depending on the recruiting service? I mean, uh, are we? I feel like we're we're back. I'll let Michael take this one before I because uh, I need what? to go get some bourbon. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, get get some bourbon, Shay. Uh, I'll, I'll kill some time for us. So uh, Dillingham, are we back? Uh, no, we're, we're we're not back. Uh-huh. I, I I don't think this means that we're back. I think this means that we were always competitive and there are specific situations that happen where a guy doesn't come to your school or we recognize that that's not a guy that we actually want at our school, even though he has the talent to be there for whatever reason, it's not a good fit. Kentucky has had their share of it's not a good fit for a while. And we've also had our share of swings and misses for a while. And I know as fans, we get really pissed about this because we were so spoiled. The first three, four, five years that Cal was at Kentucky, he got anybody that he wanted. And it wasn't just anybody. He got DeMarcus Cousins. He got John Wall. He got the best of the best. And oh, by the way, those best of the best were really freaking good. Like it wasn't just getting the, the number one player in a class. It was getting a player in a class that was head and shoulders above everybody else because that class was good and he was that much better than everybody else. I think I'm I'm excited about Dillingham. I I think he's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be all the things that we think he's going to be. He's got size. He's got athleticism. Apparently he has a jump shot as well, which I'm excited about. Stretch five, who knows? All that I can actually say about this guy is we're going to be saying dilly dilly much more (laughs) Than anybody mm. is going to want us to say. <laughs> it's true. And I think Dillingham picking Kentucky, um, there are a lot of implications for this selection more than just the him picking Kentucky. First of all, Dillingham had one of the stranger uh, recruitments. Um, he committed to like four different schools. He committed to NC State after being a huge Kentucky lean. I had a lot of people in a circle that were pointing him the wrong way. And the fact that we were still able to pull it out in the end, thanks to Chin Coleman, number one, that's a huge sign of where Kentucky may go in the future. Like this new staff is head and shoulders above the old staff, that, that Joel Justice, that Tony Barbie staff. Um, you know, I'm sure those guys, Joel Justice, Tony Barbie, they're great guys. But at the end of the day, now recruitment is not about brand. It's about relationships. I mean, look um, today, Imani Bates went to Eastern Michigan. Uh, it's about relationships. And Chin Coleman, KT Turner, and Orlando Antigua have some of the strongest relationships in three different areas in the nation. Chin Coleman in Chicago, um, KT Turner in that Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Midwest area, um, uh, Antigua in New York, and Calipari in Massachusetts, uh, Pennsylvania, that's his bread and butter. So, you know, owning those hotbeds of recruiting is really important. And um, Chin Coleman is a guy that really wanted to lock it down get Dillingham to Kentucky. So that's one thing that's really positive for the future, uh, that we finally landed a kid with a confusing recruitment, uh, which we generally always lost or stayed away from before. Uh, that's nothing yeah. to say with Dillingham. I think he just had some some people in his circle that are no longer in his circle, uh, which is good for UK. Uh, secondly, go ahead, Terry. It, it looks like every school he went to, he wanted to please someone and he would commit. Like he's yeah. a pleaser. And, you know, every time it happens. So 
I'm I'm stoked that we got him. So go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the fit is is amazing with Kentucky because uh, one of the things that that I love about Dillingham is that he is the most exciting, can't miss, you know, entertainment. Got to turn your TV on to watch prospect in the class. Now it hasn't been the type of class previously, but if there's one guy that is is at the top of excitement, that's him. You know, that's he's like the Allen Iverson of the class. I'm not comparing him to Alvin Iverson. I'm saying you he's just that did. type of you just did, but he's right. Miss. He's yeah. right though. He is the most explosive <laughs> baller in the 2023 yeah. class. Yeah. So it's been a long time since Kentucky has had that guy because they've been looking for that fundamental guy. Um, DJ Wagner, great player. Uh, but not that excite, exciting type of player where everybody's like, as soon as he comes in the on the court, everybody's like packing the court to watch him or everyone's turning on their TV to watch him. And I think it says a lot for the brand getting Robert Dillingham because it means that Kentucky basketball might be exciting again. He might be the player that helps Kentucky be exciting again. Now, um, Dillingham is a guy that's uh, – when people watch him, watch his style of play, watch that he's a fancy ball handler – uh, he seems to be an erratic player, but he's an extremely efficient shooter somehow. His shot looks kind of unorthodox, but he makes it. And um, I think he's going to fit in perfectly in ways that I think DJ Wagner might not fit in perfectly. Because Dillingham can be a, a facilitator as well, whereas DJ Wagner is kind of a guy that really needs the ball in his hands all the time, uh, which is kind of why I question DJ, DJ being, you know, Still coming to Kentucky and being alongside Dillingham might not I was, be the. I was going to ask you that. So, yeah. So you you you're thinking that might not work just because ball dominant I, I, players. I actually think it might happen, but I don't know if it will work. A guy like we'll talk a little bit better, like Ian Jackson, might be the best fit against Dillingham. A guy that's just going to be a scorer. Doesn't need the ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to score. DJ kind of creates his own offense, but isn't really a facilitator as good as as Dillingham is. Uh, but yeah, Dillingham, you know, he all his his only limitation right now is that he needs to put on a little bit of weight. Yeah. Uh, he's like 160 pounds, but I think I have faith that he's going to do that. And he, I think he's going to be the guy that kind of p- brings the excitement back to Kentucky. Um, kind of puts that point guard you back to Kentucky. Kaysen's going to do that, but you know, officially think- recruiting wise, <laughs> um, Dillingham's going to do that, and um, you know, he's going to be a top draft pick. I. I have a few comps for him. I don't want to say that, you know, he's going to be as good as these guys. He may be better than these guys. He may not be as good as these guys. Um, I see a lot of uh, people have mentioned Darius Garland as a scorer. Mm. Um, I see more like um, a little bit of Brandon Jennings in him, Uh, probably better scorer, not as good distributor. Uh, Brandon Jennings, if you remember, was just a freaking outstanding player from Oak Hill. Uh, Played in the NBA, uh, was supposed to go to Arizona, played in Italy. Um, just a really talented high school basketball player uh, from Oak Hill. And then I see a little bit of like his game is all very similar to Ryan Harrow in college or sorry, in high school. Um, Ryan Harrow, I know people have like a bad taste in their mouth from Ryan Harrow. That guy was an outstanding player in high school. Like he was, can't miss TV. So, in Georgia, Georgia state, he had a good career. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. yeah. He's still having a good pro career. I don't know where he's playing, but he's, he's still playing pro basketball somewhere. And he, he, he's a, Probably better than he's much better than Ryan Harrow wasn't in in college. So good news. Or in high school, yeah. So very excited what, about him. You want to talk twenty twenty three class? Got some guys. Yeah. I mean, there's some guys Absolutely. like Uganda Kingsley, 
Aaron Bradshaw, Justin Edwards. There's a three that come up on my radar. What are Ron your Holland. thoughts? Ron Holland. So yeah, talk about the ones that are more Kentucky leans. And is anybody even remotely interested in reclassifying? So um, absolutely. I, I actually think that Kentucky has more recruiting momentum than we've had in a long time. And I'm very excited about that. And um, a credit to Cal because a lot of things that we've been begging for, he's finally done. So when the, when the evaluation period opened, he finally gave out offers without meeting guys in person or having them on campus. Uh, you know, he gave Ron Holland a scholarship on campus and Ron Holland is the guy that is in the next year's class, but then he gave 2024 guys uh, offers over the phone, which was amazing. Uh, we're trying. We're starting to see him contact guys earlier. Put it in a uh, uh, for 2024. They put out a way wider net. Um, they're contacting guys earlier, which is what we need to do. Really adapting to um, what we need. And so we'll talk first about the 2023 class. There are a couple of guys that have already got a lot of crystal balls from very respected insiders. I'm talking um, uh, Graf. Talking about Travis Br- uh, Branham, who Branham has been very good recently, and that's uh, Aaron Bradshaw and Ugona Kingsley. And Aaron Bradshaw is the guy that I'm personally very excited about over anybody. Um, I know a lot of people haven't been on high as him, but he's a he's a seven foot center from Camden. He plays with DJ Washington. He is um, uber athletic. He's on the skinny side. He blocks shots. He rebounds. Um, he cleans up the basket, but he's got an evolving range. He's got an evolving uh, a low post game. Uh, he's somewhat skilled. And I don't see the knock on him. I know people think that he isn't as um, – he doesn't have as much upside as some of the other guys in the class. But in my personal opinion, he's the most college-ready of them. Yeah. Uh, he's been shooting threes out to the three-point line. I don't know how – he's not been as consistent of it, but he's got that, that shot. He's got that range. Uh, he's kind of like – I know people have been very excited about Derek Lively going to Duke. But he's got that same some of the same skills. Um maybe more of a better low post game. So I'm very excited about him. He's a guy that's incredibly high on Kentucky. Wouldn't be surprised. I've heard he may even commit as soon as this week. I I look for a commitment pretty soon, just based on what I've just, all the different stuff going out there. Yeah. Defensively, he's awesome. Right? Yeah, he cleans up the, yeah. Yeah. Offensively, a little work to do, but defensively, he's he's pretty sweet. Um, This is your friendly reminder. You know what wins championships? Defense. I'll give you a hint. Bourbon. It's the it's well. Hell, <laughs> Terry, you're right. Uh, bourbon wins championships if you play a little defense while you're drinking the bourbon. It's even better. Yeah, I, I like this guy, and I, I honestly, I he's a cat. You know, um, he, him, and Uganda Kingsley. Uganda Kingsley is a guy who is just basically a defensive, a defensive monster. He blocks everything better than Aaron Bradshaw does. He, uh, he's a guy from, I think, Nigeria. Uh, he's another, re- he's a reclass candidate. He's someone that's really high on Kentucky, but I think he's going to take some visits. Um, Kentucky wants to get both of them. And if you, if you, if you really look at it, these are the traditional type of bigs Kentucky really goes for, you know, those Nick Richards, those Willie Colley Stein type of players. Uh, they don't need to do, a, they, need, they don't need to be Oscar. They don't need to, to make moves down low. They just clean up the glass. They catch lobs. Uh, they play defense, and so I think Kentucky's going back towards that while they have really good guards. And so I'm really excited to see Kentucky land both. 
Um, I'm hoping they get Ugana for this upcoming season because he can learn under Oscar and be ready the second year, have two, a year and a half in the program. Would it be nice to have another big on the bench? Yeah, I think I think more Always. than a more than a transfer guard. I think Kentucky needed a transfer big to provide depth. Someone that's a true shot block shot blocking uh, threat outside of Damian Collins. I, I agree with that because I think Kaysen Wallace can handle a lot of the point guard or two yeah. guard responsibilities. So I, I'm looking for Eric Bradshaw to pick Kentucky soon. I think there was a lot of talk about him not wanting to play with DJ Wagner. And I think that's overblown. And I'll say why. I don't think it's a situation where, and I don't have any inside information here. I just think that it's not a situation where he doesn't want to play with DJ Wagner. I think it's a situation where he just wants to be recruited and signed, uh, pursued by schools for his own abilities. Um, and so I, I, I know that there's some issues going on at Camden. So there's talk that he may transfer to a big powerhouse uh, prep school, which is just better for his development, like a Montverde, like an Oak Hill, like, you know, Chris Livingston did that. He became an even better player. He, he competed against players that are as good as him and in high school. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah, so, go, go to Oak Hill, yeah, go to Oak yeah. Hill, go to, go to Montverde, go to IMG Academy, go to Sierra Canyon, you know, where are you going to challenge yourself? Cause that's, what's going to happen at Kentucky. They're going to challenge you. So, yep. You, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Justin Edwards. So I know you're pretty high on this forward out of Philly. Shay, I know Tennessee and Auburn are in the mix. Tennessee kind of has, I think, the lead in the recruitment. So any other developments or anything else you can share about Justin? Yeah, so Justin Edwards is my favorite player in the class, and I'm biased against because I just love the way he plays basketball because his game really reminds me of Tayshaun Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not as big. He's probably not going to end up as good of a shooter and an all-around player, but he has a lot of the same um, characteristics where he's like a rangy, small forward. Um, I don't know if he, I don't think he's left-handed, but you know, he absorbs contact. If you remember Tayshawn for a skinny guy, he was really yep. wiry strong. Like he absorbed a lot of contract contact. He would play down low. He would finish, finish the play. He would shoot the three. He really all over the court. He's my, he was my favorite. He's my favorite cat of all time. And uh, Justin Edwards really reminds me a lot of that. Now, I, I, it's pretty colloquially known that his camp and people around him really want him to be the guy. Um, but Kentucky has made up a lot of ground. Um, and Kentucky is, you know, Cal has been pursuing to watch him most. I think they had an in-home visit. They watched him every chance that they could with the entire staff. Uh, I really hope that they can pull this out. Uh, I still think he probably goes to Tennessee because no, they're not recruiting any other players at his position uh, at Tennessee, but I think Kentucky would love to have him because he's a guy that probably is not ready to be the man as a freshman, but he's definitely a great complimentary piece. A guy that could put up 12, 13 points a game as a freshman, be an all around player, develop the other parts of his game and be a draft pick. Um, I really hope they close it, close it out with Justin Edwards because I love Justin Edwards' game. I know there have been some concerns with him as a shooter, uh, and that's something that might be changing his mind because I think the latest EYBL season, he was forced to kind of be the man on his team. His team didn't perform that well, so it might have told him that maybe the best route for him is to play in a place where he could be a complementary piece. Um and best for his development, best for his draft stops. I'm really excited about him. Um, Ron Holland, things haven't really changed with him. I know Kentucky's still pursuing him. 
I know uh, Robert Dillingham has a very good relationship with him. Uh, he's kind of like a small ball four, um, really does a lot of the dirty work. I'd say, you know, it's probably between Arkansas and Kentucky with him. Arkansas, if he wants to be the man, I mean, Musselman, who was my pick to be the future Kentucky coach, uh, is doing a really great job. They call him every day. They're very excited about him. And then I think the last guy I'd probably talk about is um, Ian Jackson, who is in the 2024 class. Uh, he just got, I think by rivals, bumped him up to number one in the 2024 class. And he is, from all accounts, a super heavy Kentucky lean. Uh, Antigua has done a coach. O has done a great job with this recruitment. This guy is from Brooklyn. Um, he has really been on him for a long time. He recently got a Kentucky offer the first day he could get one. They called him, they offered him. Uh, I think he has said that he's very open to reclassing. It might be a situation where Kentucky's waiting on what DJ Wagner might do. If DJ Wagner decides to go to Louisville as expected, Ian Jackson is the guy that might reclass, come in his place. And if that's the case, that's the best case scenario because Ian, Ian Jackson is um, far and ahead better player than DJ Wagner is right now and in the future. He's a 6'6 shooting guard. Um, he puts the ball in the basket. He reminds me a lot of Terrence Clark with similar bounce and a lot more fluid. So I'm really excited about Ian Jackson. And he likes to call himself Captain Jack. So very excited about Ian Jackson. He's like That's he's nice. like the number he's like the highest rated recruit that will probably actually play for Kentucky. Wow. Yeah. All right, 2024. Other than Carter Knox, I don't know a whole lot about the class. Anybody else on the radar that Kentucky lean? Yeah, Carter I mean, they've put out a lot of feelers for the 2024 class and I'm just going to go look at some of the guys, but Carter Knox again, the younger brother of Kevin Knox. Um I can he, I can chat about Travis Perry a little bit because yeah, let's awesome. oh, yeah, talk yeah, about absolutely. Travis Perry. So uh, Michael, do you want to cover Travis Perry? Yeah. So um, it's not often that I get to talk about a guy from my neck of the woods. So Travis Perry at Lyon County. Um, that's that's Eddieville. Uh, by the way, do, do we know anything else about Eddieville? Goddamn prison there. That's right. That's that's where the prison is. Uh, which also, by the way, looks fantastic from uh, from the water when you're on Lake Barkley, just as an aside. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, it does. It does. Was, it looks glorious. Was uh, that your Was that your hometown lake? Uh, it, it was. It was. My parents still have a boat on Lake Barkley. Uh, they're at Green Turtle Bay, and uh, that prison is maybe a 45-minute uh, boat ride from where uh, their boat currently is. And I used to love making that trip on the weekends again the 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 prison itself looks absolutely spectacular it's hard to imagine that there are actually people there but that prison from the water looks absolutely amazing it looks like a a a castle from 400 years ago in england it's it's really beautiful eddieville is kind of a cute little town but it's in the middle of region two which is where my high school is uh, Madisonville North Hopkins region two. So I grew up um, with Lyon County being, I guess, kind of mediocre at basketball. Um, however, they had uh, a couple brothers, uh, the Matchin brothers, Fred and Keith Matchin, that played there in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And they were fantastic. I think Keith is still a, uh, an assistant coach with Lyon County at the moment. Uh, Travis Perry is, I, I think, 
when we think about Kentucky kids, he's everything at least I think about when I think of Kentucky kids. Um, he, he doesn't have great anything. He's 6'2", so not great size. I don't feel like he's overly athletic. Uh, probably not the, the best uh, shot that you've ever seen, but he can hit from anywhere on the court. He can score from anywhere on the floor. Uh, may be subpar defensively, but I, I want to give a lot of credit to Cal because we've talked, in, and Shay, you brought up this point, we've talked numerous times about what Cal does differently now, the changes that he makes, and he heard Kentucky fans say, we want you to be able to, at a minimum, recruit Kentucky kids. And we may not necessarily have a lot of great Kentucky basketball, high school basketball players that are really ready to play at a school like Kentucky uh, their freshman year in college. And for all I know, uh, Travis doesn't either. But one thing that I think we're going to be impressed by Travis is he's going to work harder than anybody else, and he's going to fall into that mold of those kids that we root for because, A, they're damn good and they can play the game, but, B, they're our people. They're us when we were in high school, except just a hell of a lot better. Uh, I think Travis has an opportunity to surpass um, everybody in the history of high school basketball in Kentucky as far as scoring. Um, I, I think he's, he's now over 3,000. He's maybe uh, 1,400, 1,500 points away from uh, breaking the all-time record. Um, King Kelly Coleman has that record when he played uh, at Wayland High School, the, the Wayland Wasps, uh, back five, six decades ago. Um, I, I think this kid is eventually going to be the number one scorer all-time in Kentucky, and he's just fun to root for. So right now I think he's still uh, – his ranking is maybe in the, the mid-60s. Uh, I'm hoping that as he gets more exposure – that that ranking will go up. Uh, but regardless, I'm glad to see Kentucky's on him and on him early. You know, he's on, he's on pace to break Kelly King Coleman's record, 4,337 points. It was set back in 56. I, I've never seen the kid play, but if you can beat that record, that is pretty phenomenal, man. Was, that, points. was that record that Dante Allen was like on pace to to break before you know that's a great question i don't know i have no idea i i'm excited i'm happy because listen he's he he is an amazing shot maker uh he is kind of proving that he could do it against some good competition but like we talked about earlier sometimes you don't have to be a player that um that is good at everything you just have to be good at really one one thing and considering that cal is a guy that really doesn't use all of his scholarships all the time might not be a bad idea to bring him on you know you don't expect much for him as a freshman just really gets your gets the fans on your side it has gives fans an additional thing to root for gets their butts in seats they're excited to see him play they're excited that they feel connected to the team maybe some of them even know his family um you know i I don't see the downside here because he's already a top 70 kid it's not like he's a three-star kid he's a four-star kid um Mm -hmm. and improving um, I think maybe probably what's limiting is him is his size, but it probably won't be able to defend at a high level in the SEC. But if he can come in, provide minutes, hit shots, even as a senior, that is a huge victory. Um, I'm I'm excited to see him potentially commit to UK. I know he m- recently mentioned that he would be taking his time 
We shouldn't be expecting a commitment soon. And he's considering a lot of other programs, but you know, after Kentucky offered him, I think Ohio State gave him uh, Ohio State gave him whose coach is you know Lexington native, I believe, or Kentucky native, Chris Holtman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan, Jawan Howard offered him a scholarship. That's a pretty so, good uh, scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so some pretty serious teams are after him. So applaud to John Calipari for not coming in there late. Um, but from all accounts, his family, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but his family are huge UK fans. He's a huge UK fan, naturally. <laughs> so uh, it might just be yeah. a situation where, you know, it's, family it's, ties, Kentucky it, ties. It's hard not to take that offer if you're giving it. If you're from Kentucky or, and you grew up, Kentucky fan and your family bleeds blue. That would be really hard, man. I'm thinking if he goes to a high major team, he's probably going to go to Kentucky, but he may decide that, hey, I want to go to a mid-major team, play more minutes. That's maybe a decision to to think about. But now with the transfer portal, like I think it makes your decision a lot easier. Yeah, just like, go for a go year for... or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has has talk... he actually said, has he actually said, Shay, that Kentucky is his dream school? Because no, once I say that, we're, we're done. Yeah, he's, he, he's very much downplaying it, which is a credit to him because I could not downplay it. If if I was a high major recruit and Cal Perry was like, hey, I'm, hey, I want you to come to Kentucky, I'm coming. No, <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, dude you, imagine I'm like, oh. I, I'm there. My back's yeah, like, already, Coach I, Cal. Right, that's right. <laughs> uh, or if the media asked me, uh, you know, rivals asked me, 247 asked me, so what do you think about recruiting? I'm going to Kentucky, guys. I'm just going to make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be a fun interview. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's how we want recruiting to get to in the future. I'm going to Kentucky. Exactly. Yep. Sorry, no more visits. Um, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'll talk a little bit more about – I talked about Ian Jackson's number one player in the Rivals 150 for, um, for, for, uh, for the class of 2024. He's from Cardinal Hayes in Bronx, which is a huge basketball oh. program. Uh, Number two players this year, Cunningham. Uh, Kentucky hasn't really, really recruited him for a while. Um, I think he's a pretty – I think it's pretty set in stone that he's probably going to go over to Duke. Uh, he's a Gil St. Bernard's New Jersey guy, which is like a big Duke pipeline. So it's kind of nice to see Kentucky just kind of like be like, you know, we're not going to waste resources on someone we're probably not going to get. Now the number three player, Trey Johnson from Dallas, um, huge connections to Casey Turner. He's a guy that Casey Turner has been very close to for a long time, has recruited already for a long time. Wouldn't be surprised to see him show up in Kentucky and him and Ian Jackson being in the backcourt, which would be amazing if Ian Jackson stays in 2024. Um, Did you say Cardinal Hayes? Yeah, Cardinal Hayes. So isn't that where Jamal Mashburn went? I'm not sure. I I, I think he did. I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, and then we got a couple other guys there. Kentucky recruiting Isaiah Elohim from Chatsworth, Sierra Canyon, who's a shooting guard. I think if they, their top two choices are obviously Ian Jackson with Trey Johnson and then Flory Baduga, who's like a new addition to the uh, top 10 who had just played Aaron Bradshaw earlier today. He's a very raw high motor center from the Congo. How big is he? He's six nine, two hundred. He's six nine. I think about you know two hundred twenty pounds. You watch him; he looks like a young Oscar. Wow! I, I like I, I like these Oscar yeah. guys. He's from the Congo. <laughs> he's from he he's playing in Indiana. He's a guy that doesn't have a lot of skill, but just a really good finisher. A very very young version of Oscar, um, probably more athletic than Oscar. 
Um, got a really great size. We'll see. I know Kentucky has been watching him, but I know he's got a lot of really, really controversial people. I don't know if it's in a circle or I've just heard his, his recruitment. It's not so cut and dry. So I don't know if Kentucky's going to stay away from that one or they're going to, whether they're going to pursue him further. Um, Elliot Cadu, who's a, he's a, a point guard from New Jersey is another guy that Kentucky has been after. And then obviously, like we talked about Carter Knox uh, from Tampa, who is uh, Kevin Knox, his little brother, probably not as good, not as talented as Kevin Knox. We'll see how it is. Doesn't have the same size Kevin did. Um, I probably would think this is a UK UFL battle. I would think that UFL might win out. I know Kevin Knox's mm-hmm. family is very close to Kenny Payne. So um, that's something to, to take a look at. Yeah, he's six five, kind of a small wing. He's not as big as Kevin was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's gonna end up a top twenty-five player. He might, he's definitely be a top hundred player, but he might be a guy that peaks very early. Um, but Ian Jackson, Trey Johnson, those are the two, two amazing guards you want to take, take keep keep an eye out for in that twenty twenty-four class. All right, dude, I think that's about as good of recruiting update yeah. as you can find on a podcast. About solid. Kentucky sports, and I'm gonna so solid. rave about it to everybody on Twitter when we load this motherfucker on there. So <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, rumors from UK basketball practice. So every year we start getting little tidbits of information about practice. Who's looking good? How are the newbie guys doing? How are the guys coming back from last year, like Damian Collins? Can you guys share some information? I mean, I'm hearing some pretty decent stuff out there, but I want to get your take on it. I'll talk to, I've talked for a while, so I'll let Michael, Michael take this one if you've heard anything. Man, I, I, I don't have any idea, guys. I, I hear the, the stuff that I hear, I'm not sure. Uh, unless I'm hearing this directly from Shay, I'm not buying any of it. So that, <laughs> that's, kind, that's kind of where I am right now. I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's great that, the kids have had um, the summer to lift some weights, get in shape, go through the normal things that they need to go through. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to withhold judgment until I see what those kids are actually doing against somebody other than themselves. I appreciate the fact that they may be playing um, at a high level when they play against one another. And Shay, I'm sure you're going to talk more to that. <laughs> But I, I want to wait to see what happens when they're playing against people that they haven't played with every day. Uh, because t- to me, that's, that's the difference. That's what separates whether you actually have um, uh, sustainable, achievable growth that you can see or whether it's just you get really used to playing against the same kids all the time. And you're not really – you can't really use that as, uh, as a guide or as a judge. Uh, but, Shay, I'll, I'll defer to you on that one. Yeah, so the great thing about that is this year they have the Bahamas, so they can really measure their talents against somebody other than themselves, albeit the guys that they measure themselves against will probably be very hungover and sleep-deprived. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but they're grown men who are hungover and sleep-deprived, which actually, I, now that I think about it, is, is not as good as college kids who are hungover and sleep-deprived. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds, like, sounds like my life. Sounds like yeah. my life. Yeah, so I remember, now that I think about it, adults who are hungover and sleep deprived are, are pretty much non-threats. <laughs> Dude, so much worse, too. Yeah, um, So, but they'll at least be able to, like, you know, see who they look like against someone who is not UK. Um, I think we can, 
realize that guys, there are a couple guys that are kind of just going to look like who they look like. Oscar, there's very little, I think, in Oscar's game that's room for improvement. Maybe he may be able to just extend his range a bit, but I don't think John Calipari is going to rely on him being a big three-point threat. He already pretty much was hitting shots all the way out to pretty much three-point range. So he's going to be who he is. Lance Ware, probably going to be who he is. But I think the guards are the ones who stand out. Um, I'll start with the freshmen. I mean, uh, Casey Wallace is every bit as good as advertised. Uh, that's not a surprise. I mean, he is physically built. As you can see from the the all-star circuit with the Jordan Brown game, he has looked more athletic than anticipated. Yep. He is a defensive monster. He's an outstanding player. He's probably, I mean, it's a hot take, but he's a guy that's going to affect on-court winning more than Shaden Sharp was, in we my opinion. Ne- we needed him this year. Yeah, we absolutely need him. Like, if I'm going to pick a team and I get to have a bunch of guys in, and Shaden Sharp or I'm going to have a bunch of guys in Casey Wallace, I'm picking Casey Wallace because he's going to get multiple things done. He's a winner. He he gives effort. You know, not that Shaden is a terrible person. It's just if Shaden gets shut down, what else is he doing? If Casey Wallace gets shut down on offense, what else is he doing? A lot of things. Lockdown defender. Yeah, he's Thank rebounding. You. He's playing defense. Dirty work. He's doing other things. So, yep. Uh, from what I all from all accounts, he's a better shooter than advertised, which is not a surprise because I talked to shout out to John Perine. I talked to him. He's from he's from Texas. He tells me don't sleep on Casey. Casey can shoot the ball. So I'm I, I'm not surprised by any improvement. I'm not surprised if Casey Wallace goes out and he becomes a a, a 15 four and four guy. That's not going to surprise me. You know, he, wow. he, if he went, goes out and wins SEC Player of the Year, I'm not surprised because he's a, he's a guy that works hard. He's a high yep. character kid, puts yep. his head down, gets the job done. He's a, he's a workman. Um, Severe Willers slimmed down. He looks more explosive. Dude, he's he not like, he's not thick anymore. He's yeah. really thin. His face looks really thin. Yeah, we I, I, there's some reports that Kentucky hired a shooting coach working with him, other than and Brad Calipari. Um, his shot looks really good. I mean, he shot like they're 40 percent from three. In SEC, I'm not worried about him because as long as he Me neither. hit the mid-range, yeah. he's a Koozie Award winner. I actually really like – unlike a lot of people, I really like Severe Willer. I think his biggest problem is just the emotion. I don't have a problem with on-the-court game. Um, Chris Livingston and, and, again, Chris Livingston, Kaysen, Chris Livingston and them don't look like freshmen. No. They look like they have – are ready to bang. I expect Chris Livingston to be a surprise. I think he's better than Bryce Hopkins. I think he's better than Keon Brooks. Um, so that's that's what I expect from from them. Uh, I think people have said. I think Pilgrim said that their surprise has been Reeves. Antonio Reeves looks like. All right, uh, I, this yeah. is when I, I want. This is what I want to hear because I've heard that Reeves has really looked the part. He's like way more um, at this stage when you compare him to Grady last year. Reeves is on track. I think I think uh, one of the underrated parts, so we all know Reeves is an amazing three-point shooter. He's been shown to be a good mid-range shooter. But uh, I'm going to give a little plug to uh, Sean Vincell, who's at Hoops Insight. Yep. Uh, he had a really good in-depth write-up about uh, Severe Wheeler. And one of Severe Wheeler's weaknesses is the pick and roll, which is uh, a really great tool when you have guys like Keon Brooks. When you yep. have guys like uh, Oscar Shiba who can hit the mid-range and hopefully Jacob Toppin who can hit the mid-range. So Reeves is someone who has been shown to, to be very successful in the pick and roll because he's a threat from all 
from a three-level threat. He can get to the basket. He can shoot the mid-range. He can shoot the three. Yep. So I think Reese is going to be invaluable as a pick-and-roll facilitator uh, next year. So I'm really excited to see how they use him because he's a guy who could be a starter. He's a guy who could be a killer off the bench. Um, from what I hear from Travis Graff and a couple other people, it's that he is a lot better than his mid-major team. It's because he really is now putting the effort into being a good player, putting in the effort into realizing that he's talented enough to be at this level. He's really a high-major guy, and I think he's actually targeted him from early. Chin Coleman has known about him since he played at McIrvin Fire. So, I mean, he's a Chicago kid. I'm very mm-hmm. excited about him. Um, and then the last guy I really talk about, I'm not going to talk about Collins because I don't really know too much yet, um, but I'm going to talk about my favorite, Jacob Toppin. <laughs> Jacob Toppin <laughs> is uh, a guy that Kentucky's been saying is gonna, has taken the next step. Looks, you know, maybe like a fraction of what his brother looked like. I love Jacob Toppin. Sorry, Scott Clark. Sorry, Matt Sack. I love Jacob Toppin. I just don't think you're not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Jacob Toppin. I'm, yeah. I'm on board with you. I, I was on the Jacob Toppin hype train last year. I think he just needs more minutes. Yeah. He's got amazing abilities on defense. You've already seen that. He looked very comfortable guarding Paolo. Uh, he's a guy that can do something with the ball, no matter what the situation. He makes good things happen. I would love to have seen him. and I, don't, I, I assume he's worked on this, his ball handling because it looked suspect but he got it done. And I looked at him getting more comfortable with his shooting because he looked like he was very surprised to shoot, but he has the ability to shoot it. Um, like I said, the uh, from the waist up, it looks very good. I think the waist down, where the feet weren't really in the right spot when he was shooting, but those are really easy fixes. And he, he works on that. And he's a great two-way player. I look for him to just, I don't expect him to be like an All-American, but I look for him to be an amazing glue guy. A guy that, if one game you need him to get 10 rebounds, three block shots, yeah, uh, you know, just really play lockdown defense. Another game you need him to score 15, 20 points, he'll do it. So Consi- that's consi- what I'm excited about. Yeah. Consistency at the four. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in different things, like, you know, just being like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Just do what you got to do when you're in the game. I, and I think there, and last thing I'll say, I think there are reports that he's still growing, believe it or not. He's 6'10 he, right now. He, yeah. He might be 6'10. 6'10", he definitely looks way bigger than he was. He looks a solid 220, 225. He looks like Michael. He's all swole. Yeah, he's a draft pick. Uh, I, I mean, can, can you blame him, though? I mean, everybody should look like me, guys. <laughs> I, wish, I, I, wish, I, I wish I was Jake and Toppin for one weekend. If, if you guys don't know, uh, I, I tell everyone that uh, Michael looks like John Hamm. So he, he looks like John Hamm, ladies. Uh, y'all, y'all are crazy. <laughs> Just crazy. Uh, I, by the way, I, I shared that with, with my wife, Julie, and she, she shakes her head and she's like, yeah, I wish that was true, but, but uh, no. Julie! Yeah. She's like my yeah. wife. She's so harsh. It is what it is. I like straight, uh, I like straight shooters, though. Guys, uh, w- one more note on, on Reeves. Um, I, I like his size. I like his athleticism. I like the fact that he can score from anywhere on the court. But we've made the comparison to Kellen Grady a lot. And I think we make that comparison because they're both excellent three-point shooters. The thing that we never really got out of Grady was the ability to get inside and uh, get to the line. I, I, I see that as one of the main differences between last year's team and, and next year's squad. 
is we're going to have a guy that can get to the line. So if you if you want to play him tight, um, that's fine. If, if you're, nobody's ever going to lay off of him because he's just going to shoot over you. But if you play him tight, he's going to take you to the basket. He's going to draw the foul, and he's going to hit two free throws. We didn't have that ability last year. And while that sounds so um, elementary, I think it's going to unlock something that was uh, missing the point last year where um, we probably could have won a couple of extra games had we been able to get somebody to the line more frequently. This was a Kentucky team that uh, wasn't a poor free throw shooting team. They just couldn't get there. And yeah, when you, it, it, when you, it, it was so much a contrast, Shay, between the previous year's team that got there a lot and hit almost 80% of the free throw line, and we missed that. We, we wanted free points. We needed free points, and they weren't there. Those free points will be there for next year's squad. Yeah, when you, when you, that's a really great point. And I think in past situations in past years, Kentucky has had players that can get to the basket but can't shoot in certain situations. And then last year, we had guys who could shoot, but then couldn't get to the basket. So next year, the idea is we have guys that can get to the get to the basket. That's not working. They can shoot. If the shot's not going down, they can get to the basket. And that's what someone thing that Antonio Reeves brings. I think that's one of the reasons that the uh, that the that that the staff is really excited to have him because he's pretty dynamic from three levels. The question is, does that does that ability translate to high major basketball? Um, and, and, and the jury is out. We'll have to see him play in high major games. I mean, he's, he's on the lighter end, but from all accounts, he's a bucket getter. So as a sophomore, he averaged 20 points a game. So we'll see. But I love the size. Um, we haven't even talked about C.J. Frederick because I think we all expect him to be injured all year, but C.J. Frederick is one of the better players in college basketball. He's the best shooter in college basketball. That's true. So they're uh, just they're bringing him along kind of slowly. Yeah, so there's not a lot of news right now about him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it, I mean, we got a good reason, team. We got yeah, a good we team. We do. When we don't even mention C.J. Frederick until the end of the podcast, you know we've got a good team. Yeah. I, I would love to see them get a Uganda Kingsley reclass because he doesn't need to score. There's no pressure on him. He comes in, he plays defense, he blocks shots for like five, ten, five minutes a game. That's all really you need from him. He gets to learn under Oscar. Um, he's this is a perfect year for him to reclass. That's what I'd love to see. Then he's got a year up next year. He could be the starting center. Uh, Bradshaw comes. I, I mean, some of the I, I think I sent you guys the uh, Bradshaw mixtape. It almost feels like he can play a bit of four. He's got some range to him. Imagine on defensive end, you need Bradshaw and Kingsley in. Oh my God. Seven, no a seven footer and a seven foot one dude. Yeah. So, I mean, Crazy. I see the vision with the Kentucky staff. I see John Calvert Perry putting extra effort going to Spain. By the way, going to Spain, he, that's not something he probably sent an assistant in previous years. Him being like, I'm going to offer Travis Perry. I'm going to offer guys earlier. I'm going to go to Spain. Yes, you need to get your hands dirty. Because in college basketball now, the details matter. Going the extra mile matters. Eric Musselman is doing it. Bruce Pearl is doing yep. it. The other coaches, John Shire is doing it. Plus, the paella is really good. 
yeah, gotta go. <laughs> Fire is really good. Fire is really good. Big shout out to uh, Mahu, which is like their 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 national beer. I love that. that love that stuff. I was in, in Spain two years ago. Nice. I would go to Spain right now if I could. Yeah. Let's go, Terry. Guys, we have covered everything as well as you can when it comes to recruiting. We hit I it think, all. I think it might be the greatest podcast ever in Kentucky basketball <laughs> recruiting. And I'm going. I'm I'm going to promote it as that. So. Now, for real, though, that was really good, really in-depth. you got to be excited. 22, 23, 24, a lot of great opportunities. Yeah, things are, things are looking up. Yep. So, guys, um, where do we find everybody on Twitter? Like, I'm at Arizona TYJO. Where can everybody find your stuff out there? You can find me at MG Simmons 5280 that's at m g s i m m o n s 5280 and you can find me at a bobsar that's a b h a v s a r i go by akshay or go by shay or probably respond to whatever you ask me to <laughs> respond by but again yeah thank you guys for listening love interacting with you guys on twitter and very excited uh, to see what 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 this summer holds so thank you That was a great show. And as always, we appreciate your support. And until next episode, keep sipping bourbon and go Cats.